Growing your beauty business doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about mastering a few key strategies and systems to save you time. Welcome to Beauty Marketing Simplified, a podcast dedicated to helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, April Meese. I'm a permanent cosmetic artist that built my six-figure business while only working three days a week and raising twin toddlers. I'm here to tell you it is possible for you too. With a background in spa marketing, it's my mission to help women worldwide get more profits while pursuing their passion and purpose. Let's transform your beauty business for more income and less stress starting right now. Okay. Hey, my loves. We are back. And today I have a special guest. I have Allie Lilly with me on the podcast. She is the founder of Lash Anarchist. She's also the host and founder of the her podcast, which is called Lashes and Bullshit. So much fun. She is a obviously lash professional, if you haven't got that yet, that turned educator to help other lash professionals really grow their business and what I loved about her is, one, she has all this knowledge, but she's so down to earth, definitely has a very successful business, a great following. I think you're gonna learn a lot from this. So as I always say, grab your pen and paper, get ready to screenshot and share it on social. It's gonna be a good one. So welcome, Allie. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah, awesome. Because I didn't do like a full on great intro. Like, so give everybody like the 60 second story of like you, your journey. Obviously, you don't need to start from the womb, but you know how you got here. (laughs) Okay. So I got into lashes because my mom is a lash artist. And I was a cocktail server forever. I worked in the restaurant industry. I realized that I absolutely hated it. And I watched her work a couple of days and I was like, oh my God, she gets to like hang out with these girls all day long and have fun conversations. And then she makes like double what I make. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to aesthetic school. And I did. I started doing lashes right when I got out. I had her teach me and I worked for her company Lash Bomb for a very long time. I opened up a couple salons and then I ended up getting rid of them and selling them because that's not for me. <laughs> and then I ended up getting really into education and I teach mega volume and mapping. And now I sell products. I have a little product line I started so that I could have it in my student kits, but it's kind of grown way bigger than that. And yeah, and that's kind of where I come from and how I got here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. There would be so many lessons that we'd probably have to do a follow-up podcast on of like working with family. I always think like the, the, the challenges of that, but also, you know, lessons learned when you're seeing it. Cause when you're working for somebody, you sometimes don't see all the back end of things. Right. But if you're working for family, like you see all the the good, bad, and the ugly. So yeah, that's so cool. How has your business evolved now? Because you have your supplies, your products that you sell and your courses. And what, what was that journey like? Like how long did that take or kind of give us that process? So actually it's funny that you bring that up. I posted something on Instagram just like two days ago, and it was a post from nine years ago on Facebook where I was literally offering full sets for $50. And I remember that day so vividly because it was like lash boot camp. I had so many full sets, like 
and they were classic. And I had an hour for each of them. So it was just like one right after another. I was at like a little trade show with my mom for her company. (laughs) So yeah, nine years ago, and I slowly evolved into wanting to be a better lash artist, wanting to be a salon owner, realizing that wasn't for me, taking a step back. I ended up moving to Arizona five years ago. And when I did that, I kind of rebranded. So I got onto Instagram and branded myself for the first time. That's what I should say. And (laughs) (laughs) about two years in, I realized that like that brand wasn't really true to me and who I was. So I ended up rebranding to Lash Anarchist. And that kind of like caught momentum. It was really cool. Like I felt like I was able to be myself. I started teaching more and getting more opportunities to teach and speak. And that's kind of how that evolved. And around that time, I was teaching mega volume, but there wasn't very, actually, I should say there was only one brand that was providing 0.03s in the first place. And I was like, you know what? We need to have more. And I asked my mom if she would add 03s to her line, but she just, she was like, I am not in a place right now. You need to just do it on your own. And I'm so glad she said that to me because. I was like, oh shoot, like I can do this on my own. Okay. So I started my line and things have just been like really quickly growing from there. People love my lashes, which I'm so grateful for. And now I'm kind of at this point where I've had such good experiences educating that, you know, I'm kind of like educating at a higher level now where my students that come in for the lash class, they're thinking about starting a product line or they're thinking about starting a salon or they're getting into teaching and I'm able to help them with that. So I've kind of started coaching a little bit more like you, I guess, but for future educators. So it's just kind of evolved. Like, I don't even know how I got here. It's just been really fun. I'm just along for the ride. (laughs) I love just like unpacking that in that one, like we always need someone that is going to give us that, like I say to my students, I'm, I'm going to give you that loving shove, like, <laughs> like pushes you out because we can all stay like stuck in our comfort zone. Right. So she like said, like, you need to take this on. Also that showed that she had the belief in you that you could do it. Like you yeah. can do this like type of thing, which is really huge because sometimes we need somebody to have a belief muscle that's stronger than our own. Right. Because we're just like not sure. And then I love also that, you know, this evolution of how you stepped out, you also started to see where your strengths are, finding a bigger need or serving in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. Like how it really just evolved. That's so cool. What's your most popular service or product? Maybe even most profitable. If it's most popular, it's probably most profitable. I would have to say it's our 0.03 lashes. Mm. I'm a pincher and that's how I teach in my layer slayer workshop. And my lashes are just perfect for pinching. So I feel like they're kind of known for that. And that's our biggest seller. I would say that and our mega volume tweezers. Yeah. That's so so cool. I love that you picked a a name like lash anarchist. It has like an edge to it, right? Like it's (laughs) definitely, yeah, it stands out. Like definitely there's, I know you taught branding at LashCon conference. And, you know, there's just so much that can be said about that. But what made you decide on that name? So I, before I was Lash Anarchist, I was Lash Lily. And Lily is my last name. 
Yes. My name is Allie Lily. I don't know. That's my married name. So, (laughs) but I chose Lash Lily and I was like, oh, it's memorable. It's cute. It's whatever. And I just got like really bored with it really quickly. Like, and I think it took me a while and I had to, I always have to learn through experience. You know, I have to do something wrong myself to believe that that's the wrong way to do it. But I just, I just remember getting really bored and not feeling like my authentic self was there and showing. And I felt like I kind of had to fit into this little box in the lash world because everything was cute and everything was soft colors. And it was all, you know, like the only companies that were really thriving at the time, like lash companies and lash education companies were very pretty. And so I was like, okay, I need to fit into this box because that's what my clients want from me. And then over time, I realized like, okay, this isn't making me happy, whatever. And I started a secret blog and I called it Lash Anarchist. And I like anarchist because it just means that there's no rules there. We don't believe in hierarchy, you know, and I was kind of in this like almost resentful mode. I was like, this industry is like, it's so exclusive and it doesn't let people like me be in it. Like I have tattoos. I have a potty mouth. I'm like trying to keep it together for your episode. (laughs) And I like, I grew up like wanting to be a skater girl and I'm just not necessarily that pretty little thing, you know, and I don't think I ever wanted to be. So me trying to fit into that box, I was like, you know what? I'm going the opposite direction and I'm just gonna, I really wanted to be someone that other people could look at and be like, oh, well, she doesn't really fit into this pretty little box either. So I can also be myself, whatever it is that that is. And I just really liked anarchist because it just means that there's no rules. Like there's no government over, you know, what you're supposed to be. And so that's why I chose that. And I, I really do like kind of stirring the pot. So I just wanted to make a statement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's true. Like they say, if you take a stand for something, then other people know if they can stand with you or against you, but either way, like you really can, that's how you develop a following, right? Like that's how you really grow a brand, which is amazing. And you said Instagram is Instagram, your main marketing platform. Yes, it is. And that is like, it's the first place that I really started marketing at all. Like I said, when I first moved here to Arizona, I didn't even have an Instagram or a website at all. And now I've grown that big time, but I'm also really big into email marketing. So those two are my main marketing. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to talk about the copycats because that's what you talked about. And I've heard you speak on that before. And I think it's one of the subjects that we haven't really covered on the podcast. I also want to know later on, just like a lesson that you learned, like a challenge that you overcame and the lesson you learned, but that might've started from the copycats. (laughs) So I have a feeling that obviously, you know, we teach what we know. And so you probably experienced that and then that's what you can speak from. But yeah, was that a challenge that made you really look Um, into that topic or? I wouldn't actually say for me personally, but I know a lot of people in the lash industry that have had copycats or like, it's actually a big topic, I would say in the lash industry, like what's okay to copy, what's not okay to copy. I have a friend who literally reposted somebody's meme the other day And that person was like, can you please take that down? And she was like, 
oh, what? Like, I didn't know that that wasn't allowed for some people. So like, I do think that it is kind of a challenge in our industry. And I have like kind of my own feelings about copycatting and it may not be the traditional (laughs) mindset around it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people, you know, what you would call like competitors, other beauty business coaches or permanent makeup coaches that have taken my courses, you know, taken things. And then like, you know, they bought the program and bought it. And then sometimes you think like, well, why are you buying it? Because you're teaching the same thing. So you kind of know. And then I've seen people that have actually bought my course and then actually turned around and sold it like the next day, right? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And like the same setup in there and this, you know, offering the same things like the planners, all of that stuff. And so then, you know, they're just like, you know, copying the things and it's, Sometimes it's, I know you're supposed to feel like flattered by it or, but it also it's like, come on, come up with your own stuff type of thing. But tell us some, obviously that was a whole conference, an hour long speech, but what are some tips that you would have for people that are running into these things? My speech, I kind of had like three main points. And the first one was learning how to just gain confidence in yourself Because I feel like if you are confident and you know where you're going and, you know, you know who you are, stuff like that doesn't bother you as much because you can really let it roll off your back and you're just like, whatever, like, you know, time will either promote you or expose you. And I feel like if you're a copycat, you're just a watered down version of somebody else. So if somebody were to copy me, and like I said, I've seen just like you're saying, like I've seen a a large company steal a course from somebody who's a little bit smaller, like exactly to the T and just resell it, you know? And it's like, it's very frustrating, but at the same time, like that was years and years ago. And I've seen this smaller person with this great training program really come up like crazy Mm. and nobody would, I mean, you would never even think that that had happened Mm -hmm. because she's so successful and it didn't really matter in the long run. In the short term though, it was so frustrating and so annoying, you know, but it's just kind of thinking of the bigger picture and, and realizing like, if you have something unique and special, you're the only person that can sell it or teach it the way that you can. Like I said, if their branding, I mean, is just a ripoff of yours, it's never going to be the same. It's like, I love that quote. It's like, they can steal your recipe, but the sauce will never taste the same. And it's so true. Like I've literally tried to recreate my dad's salsa. It doesn't taste the same, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, how do you do it? (laughs) But that, and just gaining confidence in yourself and like having better self-talk and kind of like building yourself up, you know, I think that that's really important. That's a good, like, I don't know. I don't know sports terms. Is that like offense? Yeah, maybe it is offense. Yeah, yeah. Because defense is when you're reactive. So offense is like when you are proactive. Proactive. You got it. All right, cool. Yeah, so that I would say is like a good proactive thing you can do. We Um, nailed it on the sports. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to tell my husband, I did this. Just kidding. He'd be like, wow, babe. (laughs) No. And then the next thing I was talking about, if somebody were to copy you, like how to deal with that, you know, I just think that people deal with it like really poorly and that can lead to bigger issues. But if you really come to somebody who has 
I don't know, maybe copied something of yours. Or you think it's too close. There's a way to deal with it that both of you maybe will make some adjustments and feel better about that. But I think another good offense is to copyright and trademark your stuff and really just protect it, you know? And I really do believe this, putting your information out there a lot more is going to protect you because everybody's going to know where that came from in the beginning, you know? So if somebody tries to copy you, people will look at that and be like, wow, that's somebody else's, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's such a great point because I know when it happened to me, I thought, it's happened to me a couple of times. Most recently was the exact same name. And you know, where you're like, wow, it kind of that type of thing. But like you said, you can, I didn't think to trademark that or, you know, there are bigger things that you don't want to trademark. I think the the lesson that I've also learned is from talking to different lawyers about these things over the years is if you do trademark it, copyright it, all of that stuff, just know that you have to also be prepared to then defend it, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to like then follow through. You could you could just obviously, you know, write them a letter of like cease and desist, like stop, that's my name already. That's terminology that I use. That's my whole curriculum, you know, kind of already copyrighted in some ways. But definitely if it's somebody that is like feeling like you are, it's affecting you financially, if you feel like it is, really cutting into your profits, then you have to take legal action and follow through on it, right? Yeah. Or if your customers are getting confused too, I mean, that is going to cut into your profits like you were saying, but yeah, it's interesting. That actually is happening right now to somebody close to me. And it's crazy. You really do have to decide whether it's worth it to fight it legally because it's so expensive and it's so emotionally exhaustive. But somebody is blatantly using the exact same name as another company, like I said, that's close to me. And it's just crazy like what you can kind of get away with. I think slowly they're having to stop using it and realizing that there's like trademarks on it. But it is crazy what my friend has had to go through to prove that they are infringing upon her trademarks. It's wild, but that's kind of where I'm like, you know, if you have really great branding and it is like out there and it's very unique, like I think the thing that could keep you the most protective is being very uniquely you. It's very hard to copy a personal brand. If you put your face out there and it is you, it's your personality, like nobody can really take that from you, you know? Yeah. I worked for a dermatologist in New York City for over a decade, and he is internationally known for his skincare brand. And his skincare brand was very close. The name was very close to another skincare company that had been around longer. And even though his brand had been around for over a decade, I don't think in the beginning this other skincare company cared because they were like really well known. But as his brand grew, they felt like the name was too close and they sued him and won. And he had to change. Yes. And he had to change. It was uh, Dr. Dennis Gross. His company, his brand was called MD Skincare, Medical Doctor Skincare. And he had to change all of the packaging. And you know how not only was the lawsuit like major in the depositions, like they called me in for a deposition. Oh they called like so many people in. It went on for like a, almost a year, I want to say. 
but then the process of changing everything can be so expensive. So, you know, totally. even if, you know, sometimes people don't mean to copy, but mm -hmm. they just, you know, maybe research what else was out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that I talk about when you're trying to choose a name, even just for a class, like Google it, make sure there's nothing even close to it trademark, you know, because that could really come back on you. And for example, you know, Liv Baylash, they've talked about this openly. You can go listen to the podcast if you're interested in the whole story, but they used to be Sassy Lash. And they ended up having to do the exact same thing because a lash artist who was just kind of a solo artist had trademarked Sassy Lash mm. and she ended up winning enough that they ended up having to change their entire name and all of their packaging for every product. And they're a huge company. So it sucks, but it's like, it's just one of those things. Like somebody could really take advantage of that if you don't cross all your and dot all your eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's like when you're just starting and you're small, you don't think of, you know, where this is going to really grow. Then once the momentum is there, you think, oh, I can't change everything now. And it's such a tricky subject. And do people reach out to you with this topic a lot? Do people say like, oh, this has happened. What advice do you have for me? Or, hey friend, April here. Mark your calendar and cue the confetti because Elevate Your Beauty Business program is opening soon. And this is the program where I mentor beauty professionals and exclusively teach the Amplify Method, which is the most efficient way to increase your income up to 50% or more with less stress. So set your alarms for February 28th and join us in a three-day free workshop to attract premium clients consistently and to scale your beauty business with ease. More information will be coming soon, but mark your calendar for February 28th now. Yeah, I really do hear about this in the lash industry a lot. And even down to, like I said, like memes or somebody is copying my font or their name is very close to mine. Like, what do I do? And it's like, I mean, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> It, depending on how far you're willing to take it. I really yeah. do think like, I don't even know what I would do in that position. If somebody was like, Hey, you need to change your name away from lash anarchist. Like I'd probably throw a fit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if anybody else, I think that you are the original on that. I think for me, I was, I mean, I'm human. So I was definitely upset. I mean, it's happened a few times, but the one more recently when it was like the whole course, pretty much, I was like, uh, like I was just like, Really? Like, I just felt like, hmm, that felt like a little bit disappointing. And so I just pretty much just let it go and just have to keep going because you have other things to focus on, right? You have to decide, like, what am I going to put my energy and attention on and what's going to bring me down? So, so that then takes me back to my original question. Was there like a major challenge that you faced when developing, you know, coming up with your own line and all of these things, all these different levels that you've grown your business, the major challenge you faced and the lesson you learned from it. I think one of the biggest challenges was realizing that I wasn't a salon owner and I didn't want to be, and I owned a salon and I moved away from it. And so I was like still running it with my friend, but this is a time that I realized that sometimes you do have to take a step back to take two steps forward and you really have to kind of check your ego at the door as a business owner because you will fail, but you know, you have to take it as a learning experience. But I ended up 
selling my salon to one of my employees who wanted to buy it. And I sold it to her for (laughs) $4,000. She just Venmoed me. Oh, (laughs) I know. What a deal. I know. I mean, it's funny because thinking back on it now, I'm like, I could have just given it to her. Like I was, that's how detached I was from it at that point. But when I realized that that wasn't making me happy and I'm not really a numbers person either. And I don't feel like I was making very good money as a salon owner. I was working so much more and I was holding all these people's hands, you know, and I'm really not a micromanager either. And I wasn't loving it and I wasn't getting paid for it. You know, it just, sometimes being a salon owner is so draining and people are like, Oh, you must be raking it in. I'm like, no, I'm making way less than I did just doing lashes in a room, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So um, that is major self-awareness though, because it's so many times things are like not working for us and yet they're working for us. So we like hold on to it because that's your income, right? So it's like, well, that's my only income, but kudos to you. Cause that is a major self-awareness to be like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is, but I always think back like when I had regular jobs before doing lashes and I just posted about this on my Instagram too. I like made a reel about it. I seriously, I was fired from like four different jobs. I walked out of five or more jobs. Like once I get to a certain point, I'm just like, no, I can't do this. I can't even hold out my two weeks. Like I just, I can't do things that don't make me happy. And I'm going to like, are you into the Enneagram? (laughs) <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I should say, yes, I know it, but I don't know. Like I haven't studied it. You know, I wouldn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm a seven, which is basically like, I'm very impulsive. And if things don't make me happy, like if it's not fun, I'm not in like, yeah. it's not money. It's not power. It's fun. If it's not fun, I'll leave. And so like when things get to that point, I'm just like, this sucks. <laughs> like I'm out. That was really hard. And like you said, you kind of hold on to something, even though maybe it's not serving you like you hoped it would have. I feel like I held on to salon owner for so long because of all the praise I got from other people. And eventually I had to check my ego at the door, like I said, and I moved and I started renting just a bed out of a little salon. I call it the pink cave. And yeah, I was renting this little bed for like $400 a month until finally my employee bought my salon. I was like, thank God. And then I just worked solo again. And it was really hard taking that step back and just admitting to myself, like I took on something too big that I didn't even really want to do. Oh, that is so good. I had a student that she had to have that same realization. She wanted the big salon. She wanted the fancy name. She wanted, and she had all that. She had, you know, there was hair, there was nails, there was permanent makeup, you know, facials. I don't know all of the services they offer. I know those three for sure. And, and yet, like you said, it was draining her. It wasn't bringing in much profit, some, but it was draining her, all of it. And she had to give up that ego of like the fancy, right? Like the dream of the business and the big sign and all that and downsize and her business after she did that, that hard move is so much more profitable and she's so much happier. Yeah. And I think that makes a huge difference too. Like it really shows through in whatever project you're working on, whether you're happy doing it or not. And I think that that's why Lash Anarchist has taken off and has had all this momentum is because I really do feel free to be myself and I love what I'm doing and I really believe in it, you know? So 
with the salon, like I loved my salon for a while, but then it was really, I was playing this, this role of what I was told success looks like in aesthetic school. They're like, oh, well, you know, you're going to work alone and then you're going to build a clientele. And then one day you're going to be a salon owner. Like that was the end. And I was like, oh, I'm a salon owner. I made it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I even doing with myself? I don't like this. (laughs) You're like, what did I make? Yeah. I'm like, where's the prize? This sucks. (laughs) Exactly. So true. Yeah. So what challenges are you currently facing? So right now we've grown and done a lot over the past year. We just moved into a new space. We have a big warehouse. I have an employee and I'm bringing on another employee. So I would say that's a big challenge for me is I'm learning how to be a boss. And I never did that when I owned a salon. I never tried to be a boss, (laughs) but now I'm 35. I'm trying to mature. So I'm learning how to basically communicate effectively allow people to be themselves in my business and not try to put them in a box either. I work with my husband as well. He's actually in the other room fulfilling orders right now. (laughs) So like working with him and then just learning how to set up systems within our business in order to grow our business. So right now we're kind of in investment and system building stage and just kind of trusting that that will eventually help us grow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, systems are huge. I love systems. I have twin girls, so I'm all about anything that saves time and and makes things a little easier. But definitely managing people is a whole nother thing. Like leading, managing and leading are actually even two different things, right? So, but like leading people. And then you just threw in the little nugget of working with your husband, again, working with family, which is also a whole nother challenge. So... What advice would you give your younger self then? Oh my gosh. I would tell myself, I mean, cause I'm a big dreamer and I will be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start this salon and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get so big and I'm going to be this like amazing public speaker and blah, blah, blah. Like my dreams will go on forever and that's okay. Like I wouldn't tell myself to stop dreaming, but I would tell myself that I need to really go with the flow and that my dreams might change and develop over time. So don't get so attached to one outcome that you don't appreciate the outcome that actually like organically happens. Oh, that is so good. (laughs) That made sense to you? (laughs) Good. Yes. Hit rewind on that. Listen again. (laughs) Like, yes, do the 15 second bump back and go again, go again, listen again, 30 seconds. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And then, so what advice would you give to others that are struggling like lash and beauty professionals that are just, you know, trying to see if this dream is going to work? I would say to just keep going. I know that we have a lot of hype in our industry, like, oh, you can make so much good money and blah, blah, blah. You absolutely can just know that it's taken a lot of us like five or six years to get there. And to be patient and realize that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And for people that are like, um, I can get you rich quick, like put your class online and you can be making a hundred grand next year. Like that's not necessarily true. And you know, April, you're a coach yeah. and me and my friend, she's a coach as well. We were actually just talking about this yesterday is like, it's frustrating when coaches promise so much and then like 
people will go in and they think like, oh, well, you should be doing all this work for me so that I can get to a hundred grand next year. And it's like, well, actually it takes a lot more time than that. And also you have to put in the work yourself. So just stay in it, persist and, you know, stay consistent and keep going. I, and then also do things that make you uncomfortable. I hate to say that, but like, it has to happen. You have to put yourself out there. You have to grow a community. If you want to move on from just doing permanent cosmetics or lashes or whatever, and you want to grow into something bigger and have a salon or a product line or an educational, a class or whatever, whatever you want to get into, you do have to grow your community and your audience at the same time while you are working on getting there. So true. You know, it makes me think that I always tell my students that you have to meet me halfway, right? Like I can have the plan for you and I can tell you what worked for me and, and my students. So we've had, you know, proven success that the plan works, but you have to do it. I can't do the push-ups and sit-ups for you. Like you have to right. show up and like do the, your part, right? And you want to, because that's the only way you're going to appreciate, you know, the journey helps you appreciate when you actually get there. And so when people just say, oh, it's going to be so quick and easy, I think there are ways that you can definitely make it easier. I think that there are systems that will save you time and some sanity, but you still have to, like you said, you still got to do the work. Yeah, I agree. You better work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to quote RuPaul. Yes, you better work. Totally. And I would say too, like if you're in it because you think it's going to be a get rich quick on the side thing. Like I will admit I went to hair school. I hate saying this like 15 years ago, actually it was like 17 years ago. I went to hair school like 17 years ago thinking that it would be a side job, you know, while I went to college, which is insane thinking of that now. But like, if you're in it for that and you don't enjoy the journey that you're on, you might be in the wrong journey. I don't know. So, yeah, so good. So many, so many, <laughs> so many Canva quotes on that one, Allie. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, good stuff. So tell us what exciting things are happening for you now. Cause I know that you have new courses going on and what's happening in your business. So right now I'm bringing on a new employee and he will be here in just about a month or a little less than a month. And I'm really excited about him. And when he comes in, we're going to work on some more educational videos, just free, like YouTube stuff. We're going to bring in some new products right now. We have the beauty educators blueprint is open for enrollment. And that's my program where I help other people who want to get into education or who are in education but that's been really fun. This is our third launch. And it, it's been amazing, like seeing people who've been wanting to educate, like for example, had a student come and learn mega volume from me probably about two years ago. And then she was in my beauty educators blueprint the last round. And now I'm watching her like take her first students and teaching them, you know, classic lashes or like intro to volume lashes. And it's, I don't know. It's just really fun. And she like messages me. She's like, my dreams are coming true. And I'm like, this is so cool. Like just watching women be able to take their, I don't know, like take their careers into their own hands and do it their own way. I just, I love that. Like I've never loved a job that I worked at before <laughs> until working for myself, you know? So it's really fun to be able to help other people do the same thing. 
Yeah, it has like I always describe it like it has this weird like mama bird feel of like so proud when you see them like get their wings and that they're doing things and because sometimes you know students come in and you can see that like gosh they have so much potential but they can't see it right mm -hmm. they're so talented or they have like a gift of how they connect with people or everybody has different gifts right but you see it in them but they don't see it in themselves because they're you know possibly lacking yeah. in confidence or whatever and then as their confidence builds when they're training with you and so forth and then when I just like, I can only think of that analogy of like the baby bird just taking off where you're like, <laughs> not, not the one where the bird like tumbles down the, <laughs> I can't think of what animal that is where the animal pushes them and they tumble down the, I think it's an eagle or something like that. And then they tumble down until they finally fly. <laughs> not that one. We're talking a pretty, a, a nice flight. <laughs> yeah, no tumbling. Let's keep you from tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going off the cliff. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So then how can the audience connect with you? What are all the social handles? What's the best way to, other, well, first of all, that everybody needs to take a screenshot of the podcast you're listening. You know, the drill, you guys know, you got to put it on the grams, put it in your stories, tag us. How are they going to tag you? What's your social? So I am at lash anarchist and surprise. Yeah. Shocker there. My website is www.lashanarchist.com. And if you want to get a hold of me, the best way is to either DM me on Instagram or to email me at Allie at lashanarchist.com. And yeah, I actually check that email. Don't email me anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how we have the boxes that we check and the ones that you're like, oh, somebody sent me something the other day and I must have put in the wrong email address. And I was like, oh no, I, I, I don't ever go on that. Like, no wonder I didn't get it. Right. I know it's hard. Yeah. So cool. So then I always like to ask what sparks joy for you? Oh, uh, well, I would have to say basically being allowed to be whoever I want and make money from that. And then having time to travel. Like I just really like freedom and I like playing. <laughs> that must be the Enneagram seven, right? Yes. What what I heard like I'm a three or four, but I can't remember or a combination of three and four, I think I am. But what is seven again? Seven is so I think it's called the enthusiast. I'm gonna look up types so we can see yours too. But my husband is also a seven. Oh so wow. Three is the achiever. That does sound like you. Yeah, that's and that's four is the individualist. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, so me and my husband are seven, the enthusiast. So it says sevens want to have as much fun and adventure as possible and are easily bored. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. Well, that's right. good that you both are sevens. Cause you know, in some ways I would think that that might be, you know, but heads, but no, that actually is the same. Cause you're both seeking the same thing. Yeah. We're very spontaneous together. Like right before my son had fall break, we were like, Oh, what are we just going to like sit around all fall break? And we were like, you know what? Let's just go visit grandma in Florida for a week. And so something like that would probably bother somebody else. But my husband, he's like, oh my gosh, it's such a great idea. Let's do it. Like books, the tickets, we're gone. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Achiever definitely would probably be there. I don't know what individualist is actually about. Um, it says, but... 
The individualist wants to be unique and to experience deep, authentic emotions. Oh, well, shoot. I can cry at a commercial. So I'm definitely emotional. Like my kids look at me and they're like, mom, seriously. (laughs) I think that it means too, that you just like, you're not like into small talk. Like you want to have a real conversation with people. Yeah. And that makes sense. You're a podcaster and a coach. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I'm always asking my students. Like I'm always wanting to go like, what is the deeper thing that is keeping you from, you know, cause I always say you have all the knowledge. Like we have, maybe you don't have all the knowledge, but you have access to unlimited information. Right. And yeah. so these days, like we all have more than we need, but there's something deeper that's keeping us from, you know, achieving what we need to achieve. And so we need to get at that, like the root of the problem. I know. Isn't that interesting? We have more information now than ever before and, and more people, I don't know if I'd say more people, I don't really know what happened in the past, but just a lot of people like really upset with their circumstances. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's sometimes like too many choices. Like I use analogy of like the cheesecake factory menu (laughs) drives me nuts because there are like pages and pages of choices and it's such a variety too like it's sushi salad or pizza and i'm like my mind is like no i can't make this decision (laughs) yeah dude that actually totally makes sense like it is it's so much information it's like overload and fear of making the wrong decision but these are all other episodes so i I know. Should we go on forever? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all the wisdom that you brought. And guys, definitely check her out. Check out the website. Hit her up in the grams and DM her. And thank you again, Allie. Such good information. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about. And also, definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace, Hugs and High Fives. See you next week.